The doctor has teamed up with himself before to save lives, but this time he must save his past self in order to ensure his own existence in his present. With the help of Perry and Jamie, the two doctors must outwit Chassini and Shockeye and a couple of Sultarans before they can achieve their evil plan. This is the two doctors. Welcome to Regenerated. the Santaran cause. How can I do that? Tell Dastari where your symbiotic nuclei is located in your cell structure. Vital time will be saved and I can be on my way. Is that what Chasin has offered you? The knowledge of unlimited time travel? <laughs> in that case, you shall watch our backstike. What? She's an androgum, a race to whom treachery is as natural as breathing. They're a bit like you Santaras in that respect. <laughs> That is for the slur on my people. Hello everyone and welcome back to Regenerated. My name is Matt and I'm joined as always by my wonderful wife, Becky. Suck up. Why? Why is it a suck up? What have I done wrong this week? Hmm? What have I done wrong this week? Well, no, it's just the way you say it is in a very sarcastic manner, like you're sucking up. No, I'm definitely not sucking up this week. Yeah. I haven't done anything wrong as yeah. I know of. So this week we got the two doctors. Or is it... The twin dilemma, Becky. That's just weird. Well, when you see what Perry's wearing this week, it could very well be the twin dilemma. Right. How is it a twin dilemma? Because she's got everything on show this week. Long goes the uh, like Edwardian dress that she was wearing last week. They've put her back in a low-cut sort of... It wasn't Edwardian, it was more Georgian, but you know. Well, yes. Well, we thought yeah. we were going in. Get a, correct. I thought we were going in a good direction with Perry's outfit from the sort of bikini top. I thought we were going in a good um, direction with your accuracy to time periods. Okay. And then they revert back to type, which is to flaunt everything that she's got on show again. Mm hmm which is a shame. But anyway, this is actually the two Doctors. So this one is a three-parter, which I'm not sure if there's like any uh, anniversary. I don't think so. There's no like, because we had like the five Doctors for the anniversary and then we've now got two Doctors. So it's a bit of a strange, mm. strange one um, because we did have the three Doctors for an anniversary, the five Doctors for an anniversary. And now we've got the two Doctors, but it doesn't seem to be an anniversary. Anyway, so this one was the 16th of February to the 2nd of March, 1985, written by Robert Holmes. And obviously, Robert Holmes has done so much now. We've got a big, massive list of things to go through. So, Betty's favourite, the Crotons, mm -hmm. uh, the Space Pirates, Spearhead from Space, Terror of the Autons, Carnival of Monsters, the Time Warrior... Ark in Space, Pyramid of Mars, The Brain of Morbius, The Deadly Assassin, The Talons of Wan Xian, The Sunmakers, The Reboss Operation, Power of the Kroll, uh, the, ca the Caves of Azrazani, and now The Two Doctors. So he's contributed 
a lot of things to Doctor Who. Uh, and it was uh, directed by, again, another person that's known to Doctor Who, Peter Moffat. And he did State of Decay, The Visitation, Mordred Undead, The Five Doctors, which I've just now said, The Twin Dilemma, ironically, and this is his last serial for Doctor Who. And uh, in the poll, we'll go through it, it came in at 138, which I think is respectable, to be honest. Um, and then we'll quickly go through the last bit of the information, which is the synopsis, and then we can dive into it. The Doctor has teamed up with himself before to save lives. This time, he must save his past self in order to ensure his own existence in his present. What could... what? Well, then, that's not really teaming up with himself, is it? That's basically, you know... He's now from the savers mm. for myself. Yes. What so could he's not teaming up then, is he? What could Ches is it Chesney? Is that how you say it? I thought it was something different, but anyway, that's how it's written. And dim witted lackey Stockeye have planned with the Sultarans. Only one thing is known for sure. Time will tell. And that is it in the nutshell. Wrong. What? The name. Why? What is it? Because it's not that. Oh well that's what it's written as. I didn't think it was that either, but how's it spelt? Chess and um, hang on, it is uh, where is it? Chess and then E N E. I thought it was Chessier or something. Chessier, yeah. Well, the other guy is um, is it Deserni? Yeah. And I thought she was Chesani or something like that. They're kind of like they were very similar the way they were saying it, but. Anyway, it is what it is. There's going to be some of this again with the names, because, again, I find that... You have to pick an episode with crappy names. Yeah, <laughs> anyway. So, uh, yes, yeah, so the second Doctor. So Patrick Troughton makes a return in this one, and so does Jamie McCribbin. He comes back as well, because, obviously, you can't have the second Doctor without Jamie, can you? Cause... Well, you can, but it would be crap. Well, them two sort of, like, chalk and cheese, they go together, don't they? Chalk word? and cheese do not know. Two peas in a pod. I don't know what it is. What one is it's it? Like a, basically, it's like two peas in a pod's a good thing. Chalk and cheese is like when you're saying, you know, that they don't really go together. Well, you can't have one without the other is what I'm getting at. You're a weirdo, but yeah. So, yeah, so they brought back uh, Patrick Trout. And, and at the very beginning, they do this thing where we see it in black and white and then it reverts to colour. And I did think to myself... It kind of works and it kind of doesn't work because we've already seen what Patrick Troughton looks like now because we saw him in The Five Doctors a year previous. Mm. So I get what they're saying, but for the benefits of the show, it's kind of, because mm, you, you tune in, surely that's a, a not a very good plot device because if you're tuning in and you're mm. seeing a black and white episode, you think, oh, this is an old episode, not a new one. Yeah. But then it reverts to colour. And obviously, Patrick Trout now is a little bit older than what he was when he did it in the 60s. You know, his hair is graying. He's still got the same look. He's just a little bit older and that's it. But it doesn't really take it away from... Happens to all of us eventually. It doesn't really take it away from the actual serial for me. I thought he was still Patrick Trout in the second Doctor. He was his mm. Doctor and he was still good. And he still was on the beat. And there's also a very funny joke, which I thought was quite a good one, because it actually... It actually ties into this podcast quite a bit with you, Becky. Mm? There's a there was a joke that the second Doctor Patrick Troughton said to your favourites, the Sultarans, which you've been saying on the podcast for like the last I don't know how many years. How did I mess up? Well, I don't know how you did it. What do you mean? He actually called them the Sultanas. No, he didn't. He did. 
He did. He did. Good, good job. You, someone was paying attention. He did actually say that at one point, um, and then the Sultaran actually sort of slapped him across the face for being disrespectful to the Sultaran race and the Sultaran Empire. So you actually missed that opportunity, Becky. There with all the puns that you've been coming out with, with the uh, Sultarans. I was also thinking about this se- this season as well, season twenty. You love my dry fruit puns, though you know you do. Well, yes. So I was thinking uh, with this serial, uh, this season twenty two. Of it, kind of has a reminiscence of uh, season twelve with Tom Baker in my eyes, because mm. in his first season, he kind of he he met the Daleks, the Cybermen, the Sultarans. He got like really big stories and the big monsters in his first season, and that's kind of what they've done here with Colin Baker's. Doctor, they even went as far as to put a previous doctor into this season. So yeah. we've already had uh, the Cybermen, we've seen them already, we've now seen the Sultarans, and yes, spoiler alert, in the future, I think we do actually see the Daleks. So it kind of is a bit reminiscent of that. Mm. Anyway, so yes, we start off this serial with the Doctor and Jamie uh, in the TARDIS. Uh, um, they end up landing on on board this space station. Camera, I think it's a cam. It's it's spelled camera, on in the in the uh, in the wiki page. No idea. I can't remember. Anyway, it's in the third zone, and they're on a mission mission for the Time Lords, who have also installed a teleport control on the TARDIS, which will come in very handy later on. Um, to me, it seems like it's a plot device for later on. But it is what it is. Uh, the doctor explains that the station is a research facility and that they have to talk to. I'm going with um, Destari, is how I think it's spelt mm-hmm. and how I would say it. Anyway, mm-hmm. he's the head of the projects here on the, the space station and he is. Um, and there is a, another race called the Andrew Gum, uh, which again. To me, it doesn't. Like, like, I thought it was like Android, yeah, Androidgum or something like that. But we're going with what the wiki says. I'm going with what people have written, 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 yes, written. Anyway, there is his cook. He's called Shockeye, and he basically has been drugging the meals of the station scientists. The Doctor tells Dastari that the Time Lords want the time experiments of Carts and Remia. Remia. We don't even get that guy's name. How do they know it? Anyway, um, I'm guessing that Carts uh, and Re Rima, I think that's how it said it, stopped, mm-hmm. are the two scientists on board. Um, the Doctor warns that the distortion from the experiments are on the verge of threatening the fabric of time, but Dastari refuses to order them to cease, accusing the Time Lords of not wanting another race to discover the secrets of the time travel. So he's basically accusing the Gallifreyans of being a bit selfish, really, and being very power-hungry and not wanting anyone yeah. to have control over time. Sure. But there is an alternative motive here. Um, it's not really about that it's about that the fact that actually it's the other way round that Dastari is actually trying to find the secrets of time for other people including the Sultaran race so Dastari and the others so Dastari and others collapse from the drugged meals what are we going for is it chess chess chessy chessney chessany what is it what are we going to go I for? It was Chessier. I was Chessier. Like, oh, Shall we go with Chessany? Chess. We'll go with Chessner. 
Chestnut. Sounds like chestnut. You're a twit. Anyway, there's a there is this woman who is an Andrew Gum, and she is basically a techno technologi- technologically technologically uh, aug augmented. So I can't even get my words out now. Um, Told you, put your tongue back in. Properly. So she's basically been augmented to be mega genius level, and actually she is quite clever at points of this. She to the point where she actually. Although it's not very hard, um, she pulls one over on the Saltaran's race, and you know. Anyway, so like I said, it's very difficult. I could have done a total. That's what she said then. Well, that's another program. Anyway, so she lowers the station's defenses to allow the Saltarans to attack the station base, and Jamie sees the Doctor appear to die by the Saltarans by before fleeing because he's sort of stuck in this tube, which we find out later on when the Doctor the sixth Dr. Colin Baker's Doctor finds that it's actually a projection and that the Doctor hasn't actually died. Um, so Jamie thinks he's dead. He's not really. Then we go into the times where the sixth Dr. Colin Baker has a vision of his second incarnation being put to death. Since he is still alive, he is concerned that he may have died in the past and only exists now as a temporal anomaly. He decides to consult his old friend, Dasani, to see if he can help. So that's how the two... Um, yeah. To end up occupying the same space, as it were. But it's never. I'm guessing, like, well, I suppose we're thinking about it too hard is that, you know, they both have TARDISes. So they're in the kind of the same space and time mm. at the same time, as it were. But you would think that's kind of how it would happen. Anyway, the Doctor and Perry arrive on the station and find no signs of life. The station computer demands that the Doctor leave, and when he refuses, he tries to kill him and Perry by depressurizing the passageway. The Doctor opens a hatch and drags his unconscious companion through to another section. The Doctor discovers Dasani's day journal and the Time Lord's objections to the Cart's Rima experiments. So I always think this is always a bit of a um, funny situation that we see. Yeah when the doctor is in these situations where it like the depressurizing um the corridor and like there's always a hatch i always feel that this is um, one of them things where there's always like a little panel that the doctor's able to find and if you look mm. at it properly it's always obvious that the panel opens to reveal some sort of circuitry or something for the doctor to get out. This time it was like a pumping thing where he's like yeah. made this sort of like arm where he pumps it and opens the door like I say, they never they never make them so that it's like um, it's like a bad like CSO from back in the seventies where you can kind of see like the back sort of wall is sort of a, a picture, but you can always see like where like there's a hatch in the wall or something. It's always a bit discolored and off color to what the picture is. It's a bit like that, but this time it's panels instead. Anyway, in Spain because we're going to Spain, um. Really? I wonder where Seville was. Chesney, Stockeye, and a Saltaran, Major Val, Val, take possession of a Hacienda by killing its owner. There's a bit of death in this one as well. I've said this before with the violence of this new Doctor, and there is a bit of violence in this, and mm. a very much... I've We said it before on a previous episode about the fact that the Doctor... Like, I think it was a vengeance on Varos with the two guards where they end up in the acid bath and the Doctor yeah, makes yeah. A, a cruel joke about the death. He no, actually does it that. here as well in this serial. He does it twice. That's funny. He does it twice when he says about uh, the Saltaran, I think, at the very end. 
Um, no, sorry. When Stockeye, when he when Stockeye gets killed, he says a joke about that twice. I think it is, and yeah, it's a little bit of a different sort of uh, sort of thing from the Doctor to make these sort of cruel. They're kind of, in my eyes, they're cruel jokes about people mm. who have just sort of lost their lives, even if they are villains. It's still out of the Doctor's sort of character to make these jokes. So you could say it is the regeneration, but yeah, it's just, it, uh, to me, I don't think it sits well. Um, mm. Recently, um, Russell T. Davis, who is obviously spearheading the new Doctor Who at the minute as we're recording this in 2023, uh, he's come out and he's actually said recently, which I read in a little post that said that he actually describes Doctor Who as not for children including the classic age is not for children. And when you're thinking about this period of Doctor Who, he's got a point Mm. because I do think the violence in this season so far is not really fit for really small children. So uh, anyway, so they're like I say, they're in Spain and they took uh, possession of this Hacienda. Uh, Donna, Arara, Dasari and the Saltaran group Marshall strike carry an unconscious second doctor towards the hacienda perry is attacked by a humanoid in rags the sixth doctor and perry find that perry's attacker was actually jamie who'd been hiding all the while they sort of have to climb through these pipe works and that to because they discover that the uh the computer has actually lost them at this point and it's not trying to kill them because it was detecting their heat signature through their feet and because they enter a room with carpet they can't find it won't work with you then because your feet are really cold oh i know i know that'll be the reynards becky yeah but what i'm saying is your feet be really cold so they won't be able to detect you no um so yeah, Jamie has to end up hiding in the sort of the sort of bowels of the ship. Uh, anyway, under hypnosis, Jamie tells the Doctor that the Saltarans killed the Second Doctor, or basically he says, uh, "Is it monsters with no neck and two fingers?" I think is what he said. Uh, and from that, the Doctor gets the idea it's Saltarans. Uh, the Doctor explains to Jamie and Perry that what Jamie saw was an illusion designed to make people believe the Doctor was dead and not investigate further. He theorised that the Saltarans also kidnapped Tazari as he is the only biogeneticists in the galaxy who could isolate the symbiotic nuclei that gives the Time Lords the molecular stability to travel through time. There you go. That is a lot to unpick there. So basically we now learn that we, we always knew that the Doctor had a connection to the TARDIS, but we didn't really know what it was. Now we kind of get an idea of what it is. So there's something in the Doctor's genetic makeup or Time Lord's genetic makeup that actually links them with their TARDIS so that they can actually use Time Lord technology and the, um, the time travel aspect of the TARDIS. So it's quite an interesting, clever idea, I suppose. Yeah. But yeah, it's like I said, it's a bit of a science fiction garbage, uh, gibberish, gibberish, whatever they want to say, gobbledygook, that's the word, is kind of, I do think it's quite clever though. Anyway, the Doctor puts himself into a telepathic trance to determine where his past incarnation is being held. He narrows it down to, to the Seville area where the Sultaran spaceship has landed. He basically hears a bell in the distance, probably three miles is what he says, and he can he's able to detect which bell it was just from hearing it. Uh, Dostari reveals his plans to dissect the second Doctor's cell structure to isolate his symbiotic nuclei and give them to Chesney. The second Doctor protests that her barbaric 
uh, Androgram nature coupled with the ability to time travel will mean that there will be no limit to her evil. Finding the Hacienda, Perry interrupts the operation. Sneaking into the cellar, the doctor examines the car's Rima module, which is kind of like a little, like, if you ever played The Sims, they have like a little crystal on their head. Uh, for anyone who's not played The Sims, then it's kind of like a diamond shape. But it's kind of like a, a box which is a bit flimsy because whenever they sort of open the door, it rattles, and it's, when they slam the door, it yeah, kind of rattles. Yeah, the budget one exactly. Yeah, there like for that like perspex as well. And if you watch them well, when they open really the door, really perspex. It's a lot more like cardboard, to be fair. Yeah, so there's like a sort of like a time traveling module. Um, why they couldn't just get the tar again? Why they couldn't just get a, a tar the TARDIS, which is literally sitting standing in an open field? Who knows? Anyway, so. Um, let me see. The Doctor examines the module, a prototype time machine modelled on Time Lord technology. Explains to Jamie how it works. The Sultarans overhear him. Outside, Shokai knocks Perry out and brings her to the Hacienda kitchen. Strike threatens to kill Jamie unless the, the, unless the Doctor gets into the module and primes it with his symbiotic print. And the Doctor does so, after which he and Jamie escape the Sultarans. So, Stockeye as a character... He's quite an interesting character to to me. Um, might as well mention it now that he's got basically Perry on a table in the kitchen. He's basically somebody who's obsessed with eating. He loves to eat and he's a cook. Uh, and he wants to um, basically partake in all different tastes and f flesh and all that sort of thing. And he's obsessed with basically eating a human. So he's a bit of a cannibal as well. And that's why he is uh, kidnapped Perry, because he wants to eat a human to savour in its taste to discover what it actually tastes like. Anyway, Chesney has a contingency plan. After discovering the involvement of two Time Lords, she asks Desari to implant the second Doctor with some of Stockeye's genetic material, turning the Doctor into an Androgum. They also intend to eliminate the Sultarans. So this is quite an interesting, funny part as well, because Stockeye's got like really red eyebrows. And it reminded me, I know you haven't seen it, Becky, but for purpose of listeners they may have seen it but it reminded me very much of the old 1970s dune with the harkonnens they had like really bushy red eyebrows uh just look like a weird version of um willy from the simpsons yeah exactly that's another one for off sea a lot more people probably seen the simpsons and dune um yeah and the I'm doctor and he's also uh stock eyes also got these like moles on his face as well which the doctor inherits when they put the genetic uh, makeup inside him uh but there is a there is a like a catch to it which they said after an hour if they don't do a second phase of this genetic sort of uh, splicing shall we call it then the doctor will reject the genetic code of Stockeye and revert back. So that is kind of what happens because Stockeye and uh, the doctor both having the same sort of uh, obsession with food. They decide that they want to go into sort of Seville and partake in food, basically. So that's what they do. They sort of escape and they end up being basically chased through Seville to a restaurant. That's what happens. Um, so, where were we? So, Chesney interrupts Stockeye when he attempts to cook an unconscious Perry and stuns him so that Dastari can remove his genetic that material. Dude has serious issues about, like, you know, what? Um, cannibalism. 
Yeah, that's what I was saying earlier, that he is a cannibal. He he just wants to partake in a, a human flesh. At one point, he even eats a rat. Yeah, it's kind of minging. Which, you know, was quite an interesting uh, moment in, in this serial. So, yeah, he, he's obviously obsessed with food. Um, so, the Doctor revives Perry and tells Jamie and her that what he revealed to the Sultarans was not true. He had lied because he had heard Strike approaching. The machine worked for the Doctor, but will not work for them because the Doctor has taken the Briode Nebulizer, I think is how you say it, before they can release a second Doctor and escape the Hacienda. Stockeye shows up with Perry. The Starry has implanted... See, that, that makes no sense, to be honest. Uh, I can't see how Stockeye can show up. This is the trouble when you're using a Wikipedia, folks. It's not always the truth. Anyway, the Starry has implanted the second Doctor with a 50% uh, Androgum inheritance and when Stockeye wakes up in a rage he finds a kindred spirit in the transformed doctor they decide to go into town to sample the local cuisine Zastari lures the Saltaran into the cellar where Chesney attacks them Val is killed but Strike manages to escape he turns he tries to use the module but without the nebulizer it severely burns him Strike staggers towards his battlecraft forgetting about the self-destruct Val had set the ship explodes now Becky made a good point when we were watching this that actually the Sultarans, uh, when you look at them normally, they look very potato-ish. Yep. And when they actually get hurt, they look more like a... What, Becky? What would you say they look what like? What do you mean? Well... When they... Yeah, kind of like oozes. Yeah, and they've got like sort of greeny stuff on them, like green slime. Obviously, it's supposed to uh, be blood, isn't it? It's supposed to be like a green <sighs> blood. To me, it looks like basically a raisin that's been injected with slime. Well, you did say it looked like a rancid potato. It looked like a a rank potato. Even to the point where I thought that that looked like a a potato that's grown something because they have like a little wispy beard as well. I noticed that as well when we were watching it. But yeah, so the Saltarans, the trouble is when they do these, you know, these, you know, now uh, in New Who, you can do like 5,000 Daleks because of CGI. You could do 5,000 Sultarans. You can have an army of Sultarans now because of the, because of CGI. It's, you know, it's readily available now and it's in near enough everything that we watch nowadays. But back in the 80s, 85, they had two Sultarans and we're supposed to believe that they're like a battle hardened race and they're supposed to have like an invasion fleet. But it just, to me, it doesn't work when you've got two Sultarans and they're very easily defeated as well, which I will go to when we just round this up and when I give my thoughts on this serial. Um, Anyway, so where were we? Uh, the sixth Doctor, Perry and Jamie, follow the second Doctor into Seville, hoping to cure him before the change becomes complete. Dastari and Chesney are also looking for them, knowing that unless the second Doctor undergoes a stabilising operation, he will eventually reject the Andrew Gum transfusion. The Doctor, uh, the second Doctor and Stockeye go to Las Casenda restaurant, ordering gargantuan amounts of food. When the restaurant owner Oscar demands they pay. Stockeye fatally stabs him just as the Sixth Doctor and the others arrive. Now, this is what I mean about the violence here. He kind of stabs him. We see it. Mm. And then he dies. Bit weird, that. And to me, if it's for children, 
why you wouldn't be showing this. You wouldn't be showing somebody getting stabbed and then dying. It's quite an impactful moment, I find. And to be fair, the trouble is with this kind of um, paced show, they don't have no time to mourn this guy, you know, and they kind of just sort of leave him there to die. And there's mm. nothing really more said about it. And it is kind of like they're kind of numb to it. And yeah, I just think, mm, yeah, it was it was just a funny moment. Anyway, I'll leave, like I say, I'll leave my thoughts to the end uh, as we go through. So Stockard leaves the second doctor who slowly reverts to normal as they leave the restaurant. Uh, Chesney and Destari appear, taking them back to the uh, Hacienda at gunpoint. Chesney and Destari find the nebulizer on the module missing and the doctor tells them how he primed the machine for strike to test the truth of the doctor's claim they replace the nebulizer and send perry on a trip with the module the doctor however confirms to the second doctor that the nebulizer is sabotaged with a thin interface layer so it would work only once for perry the sixth doctor frees himself and goes to save jamie from being eaten by stock eye in the kitchen because when they're sort of conferring he's saying he wants to still eat a human so they give him jamie that's basically what happens um uh, he encounters stock eye in the kitchen and the angro and the androgum wounds him with a knife stock eye pursues him through the grounds the doctor ambushes stock eye covering his head with oscar's butterfly net and pressing the cyanide soaked cotton wool to his face killing him and he also makes a comment of just desserts as well which obviously is a joke which is a bit yeah, I think it's a bit cruel, but anyway. Chesney sees the Doctor's blood and starts licking it. Dastari realises that no matter how augmented she may be, Chesney is still an androgum and decides to free the second Doctor, Perry and Jamie. When Chesney sees this, she shoots and kills Dastari. She tries to shoot the second Doctor and Perry, but Jamie throws a knife at her wrist, making her drop the gun. Uh, she goes into the module, hoping to escape, but the sabotage mode module explodes killing her the second doctor uses the uh the remote control summoning thing which he had from the time lords in the very beginning to summon yeah, the tardis if he had that then why didn't the other doctor have one because at the very beginning if you noticed he said that the time lords put it in his tardis only but um obviously that's like a recall thing that i think it, he says that it's for the time lords to keep an eye on him i think is what he says mm. And when he's on a mission for the Time Lords, they want to keep an eye on him. Anyway, as the Sixth Doctor and Perry make their way back to their own TARDIS, the Doctor tells her that from now on, it will be a healthy vegetarian diet from them both. And that's the end. So there was a little bit in that that's not mentioned and it's about Oscar, which is a bit of a subplot and doesn't really matter, to be honest. And I can see why it's left out. But it's worth making making just a quick skirt over what happens to him he's basically mm. um a guy who's basically gone moth collecting uh and he'll basically kill the moths using cyanide in this little like jar and then you'll pin him on a board so some people do that don't they i don't know if they do it now i don't know if they're allowed to do it now but obviously back know, then because there's so many endangered butterflies nowadays you'd think no yeah so yeah it's a bit of a yeah i don't know if we're if people are allowed to do that or not now but anyway he's uh He's also um, like a restaurant maitre d' waiter as well. And then that's Is there a they... difference between a maitre d' and a waiter? Yeah, well, he kind of... Well, yeah, isn't isn't. He in. manages a restaurant. 
So, um, so yeah, it's, it's not really much to really matter. So it's just worth noting that that's that's how he came into it. There's a nice little moment I found in this where the doctor, uh, where Perry offers the doctor some celery. Obviously, we know that the fifth doctor had celery because to his species, doesn't he say it has healing properties? I think is what yep. he said. That's when he sort of fainted and he said there was a problem with the um, the sort of time space continuum. He then says about uh, talks about jelly babies and recorders so that was quite a nice little um sort of homage back to the others um stranger. so yeah this one um for, thoughts on this one becky what would you what would you say i don't know it was all right but i wouldn't say it was great it wasn't all right but it was great it, it was all right but it wasn't great yeah mm. i suppose it does it is kind of has you have a point um yeah it's not the best but it's not the worst um, it's nice to see the second doctor. I think whenever they put two doctors, three doctors in the serial, I think it works. Mm. It's always nice to have that sort of throwback to a previous or like a nod to the previous doctors. That's really quite nice. And it's nice to see how a new doctor interacts with the old doctor. That's quite nice where they have that sort of banter between mm. themselves because it's kind of like uh, we know as well because we've watched it. Um, the companions don't really know because they're not really in on the know, but we know and the doctors know about the banter it's kind of there isn't it the kind of like the sort of tit for tat that they say to each other more so between the third and the second doctor and i found in the sixth doctor uh this one uh colin baker got a bit of a costume change it was a little bit of a tweak to the costume which i thought worked a little bit better mm. definitely being in spain obviously it's a hot climate you don't want the doctor running around in a long multicolored overcoat it'd be too hot so they well, put him, could. they put him in a nice be sweating his backside off problem is i know full well that i could be running around doing that in a vest top and a pair of shorts and i'd still be dripping with sweat so we had obviously the yellow striped trousers still, but he had a, like a nice little multicolored yeah, waistcoat and white shirt with braces. When they're doing things like that, where's the sweat? Yeah, well, because you, can't you know, I end up basically barely sweating my backside off mm. when I'm doing nothing. So at the end of the day, if I'm doing stuff in that strenuous, you know there's going to be sweat. I found also that, that unfortunately, I found that Perry was very much. She was a bit of an irritant to me in this one as well. Like really? she kept oh, questioning. Yeah, just me. for this one, just for this week. It might change next week, but she was very much uh, questioning. She's always an irritant. She's always questioning the doctor in this one. Is that wise? Is that the right decision? Shall we be doing this? What's happening now? And I get it. I get Perry is us. She is the viewer asking them questions what's happening now why are you doing that i can get that no, but she's she was irritating. she was very uh, very irritating about when she was just constantly questioning the doctor um she was irritating jamie again jamie was kind of there for show in my eyes as well did he really do much did he contribute to the story very much i don't Get think kidnapped. he did i don't think he did for somebody like jamie who you know we've said this before with Jamie um, is that he's somebody who's can very much look after himself. He's a warrior. Remember that he's a fighter, you know, he can, he's got that little knife and it came in handy on a couple of occasions, but still he did, he did get captured a bit and he didn't really get himself out of it. I'm just saying that mm. he should have, they should have written him a bit more stronger than what they did. He was kind of, again, they sort of put him into the damsel in distress got a category of companion which is a bit of a shame because obviously 
Jamie's not that kind of companion. He's somebody who can fight and he's somebody who can look after himself. That was unfortunate, I thought. But, you know, for all its faults, again, Sultarans, we'll say about this uh, while we're on the negatives. What did the Sultarans really contribute to the story? I don't know what they did. I don't know. It seemed a bit pointless, really. It just seemed like they were there. And then for just trying to get the time machine, then all of a sudden they're not. You, d- you and know, then it's just like, why bother? You had the Androgums, you know, who were the main villains of the piece. You had Stockeye and, uh, you know, Chesney or whatever, however you say it. You know, and you also had the, the, the Starry. Uh, they're kind of the villains of the piece. Whereas I found that the, the Sultarans reverted into henchmen. Yeah. They were kind of like the lower order. So they were a bit like um, the, oh, what were they called? The, it's been such a while since we've seen them. Um, Ogrons, that's the word. The Ogrons. They became like the Ogrons, the Daleks in this one. Mm. They didn't really contribute anything. And to be fair, look how easy it was to beat them. Now, normally, again, again it's a little bit like um, Cybermen. You know, before it used to be gold in the vent that used to be their only weakness. And it was a bit like that with the Sultarans. You could only beat them by shooting the back of the neck. The vent on the back of the neck was their weakness. Now, got rid of that. It's now this acid stuff that they've Mm. got. Which I suppose, if the Doctor didn't know that at the time, you could say, yeah, fair enough. That is another weakness that they've discovered. But still, they were very easily led into the cellar only for Chesney to dump the acid down there and basically Mm. kill one of them, maim another one who ends up with his own stupidity killing himself because he hasn't got a memory and can't remember that the self-destruct mechanism is active in his ship. Right. That's just, yeah. And uh, like I said, another negative is that the the uh like i say the doctor's willingness just to joke about death i think that that is one thing that you could say is part of the regeneration but it is kind of like unsympathetic and empathetic and just void of heart yeah and beings as the doctor's got two he should have more heart than anyone not necessarily just because you've got more hearts don't mean you're not going to be an ass mm. so that being said let's go into the positives because i like to f- sort of finish on well i was going to go and go to the mark campbell episode guide to say we'll go through but we'll go through that in a minute but um yeah the positives i actually it is an okay story the story has a nice pace to it for three three parts it actually drove the story on and it didn't overly drag too much i didn't think i thought it was quite good mm. it's always nice to see another doctor especially patrick Trout because he is a good doctor and he's oh, still that patrick Trout and is kind of you know one of my favorites as well as um Tom Baker. Yeah, so it's nice to see another Doctor. Um, unfortunately, in New Who, they sort of do that sort of meeting of the Doctors to nauseam sometimes, I find. Yeah. Uh, it's done quite a bit, whereas it still feels in classic era like a treat. Mm. You know, it still feels like a nice little special treat that the the, the writers are given the, uh, the watchers, you know, something to do again another good robert holmes story i think like i said he's got i think he's got one more contribution and then that's it um we just quickly look and see um i think so no he's got a couple of couple of more um 
I think he's uh, got a couple couple more contributions in the next season and then that's it. And then we will go through Robert Holmes and sort of do a roundup of what he contributed because he contributed a lot. Um, so yeah, for Robert Holmes' story, it is a solid Robert Holmes story. It does have some elements. I just don't think the Saltarans were done that well. Um, well, it's just a pointless story from a Saltaran perspective. You know, he, you know, this guy, uh, Robert Holmes, is actually the guy who actually invented the Saltarans. He's the guy who came up with that idea, you know? Um, it's just unfortunate. I don't think it's executed very well in this one, and they're not really done. You know, you could either have the Andrew Gums or the Saltarans. I just don't think you put them together because what does it really achieve? It doesn't really achieve too much because you've got too many villains so somebody has to then be relegated to henchmen and that's mm. what the Sultarans are overall i think colin baker has now established himself as a doctor i think he's now found the character uh there's no sort of an awkwardness about it um you know there's none of that sort of uh, messed up regeneration stuff anymore the outbursts are gone he's now just sort of settled into it and like i say there is an i, I always think that there's a nice quality to colin baker's doctor some people disagree with that yeah. some people don't like the sixth doctor but i actually really like colin baker's portrayal it's just a shame he didn't go on longer um but we will obviously we'll come to that as well in the future as well like in the next season when we get to the end um but yeah, overall, I think like Becky, I think Becky sums it up. I think you summed it up when you say it was a good story, just not a great story. And I think that is right. It is a good story and just not a great story. There are better stories that Colin Baker done that than this one. This is kind of floating in the middle. Anyway, Mark Campbell's episode guide um, verdict: a Doctor Who version, of the last of summer wine, as sponsored by the Vegetarian Society. A 7 out of 10. So he tries to get in there with a nice little <laughs> joke at the end. So I appreciate that. Um, yeah, it is kind of like Last of Summer Wine. Yeah, well, it'd be pl- plenty of vegetarians if the salt irons because the pure and simple fact, they look like potatoes. Yeah, or sultanas, as the doctor said. Really? <laughs> yes. Um, stop using my dried fruit humour. It wasn't me. It was... Patrick Troughton, who used the dry fruit pun there. Finally, you stole my dried fruit pun. After all them, after all that time. And I think the Sultarans are retired until the new J- Just new a thought, so. I'm just going to put this out there, right? None of my dried fruit humour came from Patrick Troughton because I didn't even know it existed. Hmm. No. So, just saying. No. So All my dried fruit humour was my own. So, yes, that was the two doctors. Next week, uh, controversy will ensue because it is time lash. And I think I'll say it now while I... And that's about a lot of guys going out on the lash all the time. No, it's not. (laughs) Um, So uh, we might as well talk about time lash just briefly before we wrap up this... um, this 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 uh, episode so actually as i'm actually wrong I, th- I did think that this was going to be uh the least uh, in the poll this was going to be number 241 but it's not it's actually 238 it's kind of down the bottom this one is to me i actually controversy is here i actually like time lash a lot of the viewers the fans 
don't like Time Lash. They said it's not one of the best at all. But I actually really like it. When I watched it, I was like, this is going to be rubbish. And then I actually came out of it thinking, actually, this was actually really good. Um, and I liked it. So, yeah, it's going to be some controversial moments. We'll see what you think of this one next week, Becky. This will probably be your favourite one. Mm. Uh, anyway, so listeners, thank you all for joining us. Let us know what you thought of The Two Doctors. Is it great or is it good or is it bad? Is it the good, the bad, the ugly? To, I don't know. to quote the uh, quote the film, let us know. The social medias are in the description. And next time we will have time lash, and we'll get into that one because I think there'll be some uh, some discussions on that one. I think. Um, so yeah, like I say, thank you all, and we'll see you next time. So I'll say goodbye and say goodbye, Becky. Bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs>